talking about God this morning in the form of the Holy Ghost. Got one amen on that? The Holy Ghost is not talked about in most churches because they'd rather date God than be married to God. They would rather stay in the John the Baptist form of a relationship with God. Been baptized out of your sin. See how sweet I am. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying any of these people aren't saved. I'm saying that they want to date God. They don't want to be married to God. They don't, they don't want God on the inside of them because then they have to relinquish being Lord. How many type A people we got in here? You struggle with that. I'm type A. I struggle with that. But a lot of people, whether they're type A or not, do not want to relinquish lordship. So they would rather go ahead and get saved, build a monument to that salvation. I'm, I'm talking about right now, legitimate salvation, which you always have to be very careful about talking about, because what salvation means to some does not mean to others. And what salvation legitimately is, is what the word of God says in 1 Peter 1, being born of the word of God, incorruptible seed. What salvation means to a lot of other people today are the things that I make fun of all the time with fresh starts and new beginnings. What does that even mean? And a lot, a lot of you are gonna be tempted over the years to go to those churches because I'm too mean. But please understand that it's not, be, it's not me being mean. It's the Bible. It's the, what the word of God says. It's not me. You may not like the way that I say it, and if you, wanna, if you want to judge that, you can. You can not like that if you want to, but make sure that you're not, li you're not, not liking the Bible. Make sure of that. But a lot of people, they don't want the Holy Ghost, so that's why he's not talked about. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is why you've seen the church respond the way that it has, and not just the COVID. COVID just exposed what the church already was. A, a church that had left the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost was not welcome in the building. And some of you, listen, let's make this personal. If you feel like there's something missing in your walk with God, you're pining and you're striving and you're trying, or maybe you're not doing any of those things, but you feel like something is missing, understand that it's the influence of the Holy Ghost. You need to ask him to come in personally. Tom, where do you get that from? Just the Bible. Acts 19, one through seven. Acts 14. Uh, Acts 8, 14 through 17. You have to ask him to put your phones on mute. That way you won't get embarrassed like you just did. You have to ask him. Luke eleven thirteen. you have to ask him to come in. I don't like that because I was trained a different way. Then you were trained erroneously. You have to ask him. Ask him to come in if you want. But that means that you don't get to get a divorce. Because he's Lord. Amen. You don't get to roll your eyes anymore. You don't get to be ruled by your feelings anymore. You don't get to live in afflictions that are supposed to be light and momentary that you consider to be badges of honor. 
Look at all that I've been through. Listen to your afflictions. Where do you get that from? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Light and momentary afflictions. Yes, there's many afflictions that come to the righteous in the forms of persecution, but they are light and momentary. You don't get to live, oh, woe is me, look at me, look at me. Christians like that struggle in this church. Look at me. You want to make a spectacle of yourself? It's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you to get over yourself. I don't want to get over myself. Then go to another church. <laughs> They'll be happy to accommodate. Tom, if you say that to enough people, then they're all going to leave. You're not going to be able to pastor anymore. Really? You really honestly believe that's true? It's not going to happen. Nobody's that important. You or me. God doesn't need you. He just desires you. Doesn't need you, doesn't need me. If I quit today and move to the side of the mountain, which I've threatened to do 500 times, <laughs> to my poor wife, this is it. You know, I feel so stupid now. I rarely, I just don't, I barely say it. I mean, I'm like, I can't get it out anymore. That's it. It's over. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because my son, I'm trying to think of who he was telling it to. I can't remember. It was people in the church. And he said, you know what I've learned with my dad? I'll give you what happened was. You know how I struggle with devices. I struggle. I struggle with them. Smashed several of them. So I struggle with them. So I had time. I needed a new laptop. And like me buying a laptop would be like, scaling Mount Everest. I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to fly to. I don't know anything. So I'm like, Tommy, can you just get me another laptop? So he buys me another laptop and it didn't work perfectly the first time I used it. <laughs> so it's already in danger, you know, it's in danger. <laughs> and there's times I actually warn the devices. I'm like, listen, you better start working now. I'm smashing you against that wall. <laughs> and by the way, that's sin, just so everybody knows. If I don't repent of that, I'll die and go straight to hell. So it didn't work. So I'm like, that's it. So I go and I just unplug it all. Now here's the part of the problem is when I'm using a laptop, I'm prepping for the podcast. So I'm already like on edge, you know, I'm on edge typing. <laughs> stupid, how stupid can you be and stupid? You know, so it didn't work perfectly. So I unplug it all, take it out, put it on, put it on the uh, kitchen table. Hope happens to see me, I'm like, that's it. Tell him to just get rid of this thing. I'm never using it anymore. Going back to my old one, that's it, you know, it's over. And what my son said about that, his situation goes, you know, I can't remember who he was telling it to. Gosh, dog, I wish I could remember. It was here in the building, he's talking to a group of people about me, <laughs> with, with me standing there. He goes, you know what I've just learned with my dad? He goes, you just weather the storm. Like, you know, the next day it's all going to be gone anyway. So you basically just ignore him for 24 hours. <laughs> it's over. You just really don't pay any attention to anything that he says in the moment. And then afterwards, it's just, it's gone. I don't know where I was going with all that. But anyway, <laughs> that's me, me being ruled by my carnality instead of the Holy Ghost. So we have to ask ourselves, is he welcome in? Now, I mean legitimately. I'm not just talking to you tongue talkers. You got, a lot of you got saved. You built a monument to it. 
Then you got filled with the Holy Ghost. You spoke with tongues. You built a monument to that. And there's been no growth since. See how quiet it gets when I say that? There would be evidence of growth. You're like, Tom, you preach this every Sunday. I know. I know what I'm doing. There would be evidence of growth. Not just, you know, I just feel like I'm getting stronger every day. Okay, you've been saying that for four decades. How much stronger do you need to get? I mean, before you start giving sight to the blind. There's people in this church right now, they fill rows in this church. They bring people. Why don't you bring anybody? Why not? Because you never pray to do it. The Holy, if you, the Holy Ghost was dominant in your life, you could not help but to witness, Amen. to share your faith. Amen. You are the missionaries. Where, where do you work? Where do you live? I'm like, I'm retired. Listen, there's people all around you. Do you pray for open doors? If you, the whole, listen, a lot of people, it's just their Christianity is all about themselves. It really is. That's all, that's all they think about is themselves. What's the next conference? What's the next conference? I was just, I was so blessed. I went there. Oh my gosh. That's, so, that's, that's great. That you're so blessed. But where is the fruit of the Holy Ghost in your life? Where is it? And how come you keep getting blessed at one Christian conference after another and your husband hates you? You can vice versa that if you want. I don't care. <laughs> John 16, 7 and 8. Root verses for today. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is one of the funniest things. I had a woman leave this, I believe leave the church over it. But she was so upset that I said that Jesus wasn't omnipresent. Uh, how do you omnipresent when you go away? Could he be omnipresent if he wanted to be? Yeah, but it's not his lane. He could disappear when he wanted to and appear where he wanted to. I get it, but that's not his lane. That's not his primary function was not to be omnipresent. His primary function was to die for our sins and for our sicknesses, illnesses, and diseases. And then to come again for our redemption. His primary function was not to be omnipresent. Hence the reason, he says, it is to your advantage Jesus saying, it is to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away. And what do most Christians do their whole life? Man, if I could just see Jesus. That's because you don't know the Holy Ghost. He's just as real. Jesus isn't even on the planet. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He, put it, let me put this in Southern vernacular, he ain't here. Or Duck Dynasty, he gone. <laughs> Everybody wants to have an encounter with Jesus. Then say, baptize me with the Holy Ghost so I can speak in tongues. You have an encounter. There's Jesus. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus. For if I do not go away, the helper with the capital H will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So we're going to focus on those three words. 
Understand this. The reward of salvation is not heaven, so stop holding on for it. I've, I, I don't necessarily mean this the way that it sounds, but if you're holding out for heaven, you're gonna be disappointed when you get there. Because the reward of salvation is God himself. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, three. That's the reward of salvation. Heaven's great. But the reward of salvation for us in the new covenant is the Holy Ghost, not heaven. It's it's a personal relationship, marriage, bridegroom of God relationship. You're supposed to be intimate, not amen. All right, let's go, honey. Church is done. It's supposed to be intimate and close. If people followed me around, if I had like a GoPro somehow strapped to me, people would think that I was nuts. I talk to God all the time. All the time. My, my daughter will see me. I saw dad praying. He was praying over there. Because I'm over there. Something hits, I'm praying. I have that relationship with God. I'm not, listen, I'm not bragging about that. I'm just, that's the way it's supposed to be. I got saved when, I'm eight, when I was 18, I'm 54. I ought to be close to God. So I have I'm, whatever comes, I, I pray over it. If I, don't, if I don't like my mood in the morning, how many of you, when you don't like your mood in the morning, you can see to it for the rest of the day? Or you label it as bipolar. If you don't like your mood, it's fumes, it's gas, it's chemicals, it's nothing. Talk to it. In the power of the Holy Ghost. I do it. I just pray it all. I pray it all. Lord, I just pray you turn this thing around. I don't like the way I feel this morning. I'm in the shower, buck naked in the shower. Lord, just turn this day around. I got a massager thing. That's what I use all the time. Because you can shoot water up the crevices. I told you that last week. You got that thing on like super rocket and that thing. Very clean person up here, very clean. Put that bad boy on rocket. You know what I mean. That's why you hug me out there, I don't stink. All there's no crevices, they're all blown out. All, the, all that stuff blown out. Oh, before I get here, you're welcome. You are welcome. But when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. What does conviction mean? You're not allowed to talk about conviction in the church. Why? Because it's a formal formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense. Not allowed to talk about that in church. Not allowed to talk about conviction in the church. Well, that just doesn't seem very Christ-like, a formal declaration. That's not very Christ-like. You mean you're actually making a judgment? Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's correct. How many of you have been taught in your churches? Never judge. You know that's antithetical to the word of God? It's not, you only don't judge, Romans chapter two, verse one, when you're doing the same thing. So if you're a pornographer, then don't be disgusted by the homosexual. Go into the same hell. You're gonna share a cell in hell with the homosexual transgender activist. I know you're allegedly a Christian pornographer. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a Christian liar. 
a Christian pornographer, a Christian luster, a Christian abortionist. There's no such thing. Tom, you can't tell people that just because they're this party or that. I don't care about your party. What do you believe? Are you, you, are you signing on the dotted line? Do you go in and punch the ticket for someone who's going to slaughter the unborn? You ain't going to heaven. You ain't going to heaven. You're not. You're going to slaughter the unborn as a murderer and go to heaven? You need to read Revelation 21.8. You ain't going. This is what's supposed to be preached. Sin and righteousness and judgment. You're like, well, that's, I mean, Tom, you're not going to really win people. Like, you win more people with sugar than you do vinegar. That's not a Bible verse. Is that what did Jesus preached sugar? I love how everybody makes the antithesis of Jesus Christ like soft spoken and there's never a voice inflection. Never would ruffle a feather. Did you ever read the Bible? One of the things that Jesse Duplantis opens up a lot of his messages with, he'll tell you to turn to, you know, 2 Kings chapter 2. He goes, for those of you who don't read the Bible, that's the Old Testament. He's speaking at a Southwestern Believers Convention. Because he knows most people in the room don't read the Bible. They go by what their thoughts and their feelings are. That's why so many Christians are so delusional. I love Christians more than the world. But Christians can be so delusional because they can be worse off than the lost. Because the lost aren't deceived. If you, if you usher in, this is all out of 2 Peter chapter 2, 20 through 22, being worse off than you were at the beginning, does not apply to the world, it applies to the Christian. Because you actually give yourself an antithetical to the word vaccine. You make yourself immune to the word of God because it ruffles your feathers, or it doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. Who are you? Who am I? Listen, I told you before, I wish temper tantrums weren't in the Bible. If they weren't in the Bible, man, I'd be in, a, I'd be in good shape right now. I don't know what it was about this week, but this week, I was struggling with that. Everything was getting on my nerves. Everything was. That needs to be brought under submission, not, get, not, not given heed to. I wish it wasn't in there, but it is. So when I see things in there that ruffle my feathers, I just go, you know what? The word's right and I'm wrong because the word's Jesus. Some of you don't like that you're supposed to be rich. I didn't put that in there. If you're a Christian and you're not rich, understand you're out of the will of God. Does not mean you're going to hell? The only thing that's gonna send you to hell is unrepentant lifestyle sin. Not not going, listen, you cannot attend church and go to heaven. It's just you probably won't make it because you're forsaking the assembling of yourself. You're getting duller and duller by the day. I'm not telling you that you're going to, but you're supposed to be rich. You're supposed to be healthy. It's all the Bible. Took up your infirmities, carried your diseases, became, became poor so that you can become rich. Matthew 8, 17. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it's all Bible verses. That, that doesn't sit right with me that I'm supposed to be rich. I was taught that poverty was, a, was, a, was an attribute and was a sign of humility. That's incorrect. It's not in the Bible. It's not a Bible verse. 
how quiet it gets, man. It's amazing how quiet. You, you, you start preaching against what people consider to be piety. Because that's what they're all about. They're really all about themselves. You know, I'm, look, I'm so pious. Yeah, pi- let, me, let, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Do you really, what? Now, I'll lay it out in steps here. Do you think that people, just speaking about wealth for just a moment, you're like, Tom, what are you, filthy, rotten, rich? No, I'm not filthy, rotten, rich, but I'm going that way. I'm not, listen, the thing with me is, I just, I'm, I'm not saying this, I'm saying this for balance, not to justify. No matter what I do, there'll be a large portion going to God. No matter how much I, uh, uh, no matter how much I uh, gather, how, no matter how much I get, a large portion of that will go to God, as does my time. Amen. Whatever I'm doing with my time, I do with my money. It's gonna, listen, it's gonna go. It's gonna go to God. So let me ask you this. I have some, I have some very wealthy friends, and I've had some very wealthy friends over time. Who do you think was the bigger magnet in the church? The wealthy one? Or the needy one? No, no, no. Which one was the bigger attribute in the church? Who drew the most attention? The wealthy. No, the people, the, the needy people? Listen, I, I've been in need. I, one of the wealthy people I'm talking about bailed me out. I, I ran over a bobcat on the way to Tuesday night prayer. It destroyed the undercarriage of my car. It was in like 2008. Hope had lost her job. I was working endless overtime at the sheriff's office just so we could make ends meet. I didn't have, it was like $1,600. Destroyed my transmission. And my wealthy lawyer friend paid for it for me. So I've been in need. I'm not, again, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But I'm talking about attraction. Who are people attracted to more? That wealthy friend, they, had all, they were always attractive in the church. People were always going to them. Not to the needy people. You, you drive up and you, you're driving an Audi, it draws attention. You're driving a 2006 Hyundai. You think I'm bad-mouthing you, right? I'm, I'm, listen, I'm middle class. I'm just saying I know what God's will is. God wants me to be wealthy. So I'm going that direction. That's what God wants for you too. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He became poverty so you could become rich. Just like he became sin so that you could become forgiven. Same principle. Same thing with sickness, illness, or disease. Psalm 103, 3. He became sickness so you could become well. You want to give all your money away? Give it away. Why do you not want to be wealthy? You always, if you, if you want to witness to people, drive up in a Ferrari. I'm serious. You want to witness to me? What do you call it? Was it Java Plum? What do you call the, the uh, shopping center down the road? Cocoa Plum. I don't go anywhere. Lope does all that for me. I just wait for my two o'clock phone call every day for lunch. I told you, I study the Bible, I prep podcasts, I prep messages. That's what I do in life. I don't drive anywhere. Except to the men's conference, but that was it. Do you, you want to go to, what's it called again, Jeff? Cocoa Plum? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm going to keep saying Java Plum because it's stuck in my head. <laughs> you, want, you want to draw attention? Drive up there in a Ferrari. Who's going to, now you drive up there in your 2006 Hyundai? It's not anybody who's going to look down on you. 
I, by the way, just so everybody knows, I don't even own a car. <laughs> Quiet, Heather. The car that I do own is a 2006 Honda CRV. That's what I have. And it's sitting in the driveway with weeds growing up into it. But if you want to witness to me, we'll drive up in a Ferrari. They're going to come to you. Are they going to want what you have? Uh, yeah. So what do you say to them? Jesus gave me that. That's just the Bible. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, so Jesus was rich. But you hear, oh, I didn't have it. You, you, people will throw down the poverty verses. Jesus didn't have a place to lay his hand. He became that. He became a man who didn't have a place to lay his head so that you could become rich. Just like he became sin so that you could become forgiven. Receive it. That's the Bible. It's the Bible. You know, like Tom, you're usually just all hellfire and brimstone. What's up with the, what's up with the, I preach about wealth all the time. People don't want to, listen, you're more, people are more apt to get mad about wealth than they are hellfire and brimstone even. Because they've been trained that poverty is Christ-like. He was rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. That's it. That's the verdict. Give it all away if you're worried about it. Well, I'm just worried about being overcome by riches. Well, give it away then. Give it away. Conviction, a formal, a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense or a firmly held belief or opinion. A firmly held belief or opinion. And when he has come, the Holy Spirit has come. He is here. He was sent by Jesus. He is here. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. This is why nobody witnesses. And don't, listen, if you're somebody, I witness all the time, then that wasn't for you. Just don't worry about it. Go eat after church and relax. That wasn't for you. He said, I didn't, wait. I didn't say you didn't witness. I'm pre- There's 700 people in here. It lands on somebody who's not witnessing, which is about 80, 90% of the room. The reason why you don't witness is because the Holy Ghost doesn't run the show. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. So let's break down the three. Sin and righteousness of judgment and judgment. Convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. A conviction, a firmly held belief, or a formal declaration. Let's talk about sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you tell your unsaved loved ones that? You should. Not, not, Not every second of every day. The door will swing open. The door will swing open. You pray for those open doors. That's Philemon 1.6. Pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Pray, and God will open up the doors. 
You have a relative who's popping out one baby after another outside of marriage, God will open the door. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's it. That, there's nothing else to say. That's written to the church at Corinth. That's not written to the world. It's warning the church at Corinth. Don't go back. It's like I warn all of you. Don't go back to your kindly, caving, mask-wearing, vax-whore church. The Bible uses the word whore. I use the word whore. It's what they are. Don't go back because they talk in a benign tone of voice. I just want you to know, everybody know that you're loved here. Okay, we've got the love part down. Our church gave away $757,000 last year. Gave it away. We got the love down. We've got the love down. It's time for fair and balanced. Remember what Fox News used to be. So this is what you're supposed, when he has come, he will convict the world. How does the Holy Ghost convict the world? Through you and me. God does not, God does not not use people. That's the double negatives this morning. God uses people. On occasion does he not? But listen, I mean very occasionally does he not. Normally he uses a vessel. You are that vessel. Holy Ghost is his voice. You are his body. And we're supposed to be convicting the world through the power of the Holy Ghost of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Righteous portion. We're going to go through this twice. We've got a myriad of examples. Romans 3, 22 through 25. This, this, is, this in case is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. That's 3.23. This righteousness from God. Now what I'm reading, this is out of the, you got the New King James you're looking at now. I'm reading this out of the 84 NIV. 84, so you're wondering where is, what, because you won't find this translation at home because they banned the 84 NIV because it's not gender neutral. They rewrote the new NIV is now gender neutral. So they took out, took out all, they're just like Gavin Newsom in Los Angeles. You're not allowed to say manhole cover. True. So that's what the new, you need, you need to be watching these Christian because they think Christian means being sweet to everybody at the detriment to, of truth. No. Love rejoices in the truth, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, four through eight. Not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. So the NIV did that. So you might, some of you might wonder, what translation? See, if you don't hear, if it's not a translation you recognize, it's the 84 NIV, which you can still find online, by the way. Until the publisher owns it, finds it, and they ban those sites, but those sites always keep coming back. There's righteousness from God. Here's sin and of righteousness of judgment. Remember, we are to be preaching with conviction these things. A formal declaration of guilt or a firmly held belief or opinion. Now we covered sin, now here's righteousness. 
This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. There's our righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Unless you are living in unrepentant sin, I'm talking about Christians right now. You can go back if you want. God isn't, you know what's so funny about Calvinism? Is that everything's, a fr everything's free will until you get saved. You choose whether you get saved or not. And then once you're saved, God forces you to stay saved. How does that work and where's that in the Bible? It's not where. You've heard me say, 2 Thessalonians chapter two, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter four are both titled the great falling away. How do, you, how do you live with yourself like that? I, I will never understand how people live with, with themselves reading the antithesis of their theology and still stick with it. Yep. Not me. When I see in the Bible that I'm wrong, I've been found that I was wrong before. I go and say, those wanted three words. I was wrong. Amen. So righteousness is, yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are. I'm not talking about you struggle with sin. I get it. I've sinned. I get it right. I'm not talking about your vacillation. I'm talking about if you've conceded to sin, then you've walked out. But if not, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. How many of you feel that way? See how spattering that is? First of all, go, I don't care whether I feel that way or not. It's true. No matter what. It's true. Some of you, and I'm included in this, have screwed up your mind so bad, you don't even know what to feel. You feel bad when you should feel good. You feel good when you should feel bad. You, you, you basically have just gone with your feelings your whole life, listened to sad songs, watching depressing things, Given in to bad emotions. You don't give in to bad emotions. You take them captive and you make them obedient to Christ. Yeah. The greatest practice is with your spouse. When your spouse irritates you today, you should practice that they don't know that you're irritated. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Proverbs 12, 16. And that's one of those verses. I hate that verse in the Bible. As I always show my annoyance at once. I'm 54 years old, and I'm still like a three-year-old. I look annoyed when I'm not even annoyed. I'm one of those people that people have always come up to and gone, you know what, it would really help if you smiled. Hey, lady. So many times. I'm talking about church people, people that I've pastored. Tom, Pastor Tom, okay, what, is the, what, what, what fruit do you have in your life that gives you the right to come up and correct me about my facial expressions? You're, I, I, most of the time, these people don't realize, I already know you. Your husband comes and complains about you to me. And you're worried about my facial expressions? 
It's the truth. People are so oblivious. They really are. It's so funny. As I've dealt with when we were a really small church and now that we've become a larger church, now Heather does it all, or Hope does it, or Travis, they take care of all the problems, but unless it gets really big, but then, then, then I get involved in it. I mean, I'm kept apprised of the situations, but, but back in the day when you're 50, 60 people, I dealt with all these people. And they just think, well, you know, they get mad, they get ruffled and leave. I'm like, do you realize the amount of complaints that came to me about you? They have no idea. Absolutely no idea. They live in oblivion. They're so lucky. And maybe, maybe they're not lucky. Maybe I should have told them. But most of the time, I just kept my mouth shut. All right, you know, have a good life. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> and, and just so you know, I, I, listen, I don't do it anymore. I really, I haven't done it for years. I used to check on ex-church people, you know. Now they don't, they don't do anything. I'm not saying everybody's called to this church because they're obviously not. Everyone can't drive to this church. But if you are called here, even if you hate it, this is what God has for you. (laughs) This is it. You're not allowed to leave. You need to sit in here every Sunday because what you hate, you're supposed to like. That's why God's making you stay here. I know some of you want to go. God won't let you go. You have to defy the Holy Ghost to go. And you're like, why? He's obnoxious. He yells and he screams. He says whore. <laughs> God wants you here. If you leave, you're going to waste a decade or more. I know because I've tracked other church people. They just waste their lives. You're supposed to plug in, sink your roots deep and God will open doors. Otherwise, you're gonna make lateral moves instead of vertical moves for the rest of your life. You're never gonna be going like this. You're gonna be going here. And always thinking that you're going like this because it's called deception. Bro, it's a brand new church. It's just this brand new or a brand new feeling or a brand new experience or a brand new word. Doesn't mean it's a vertical move. Doesn't mean you're actually gaining ground. It's It's a lateral transfer, a lateral promotion. Understand that. You're like, Tommy, you sound like you got an extra. I, listen, no, I don't. I don't sit around ever thinking about church people who left. I don't. I can't say it never crosses my mind. I'm saying I, does, I don't sit over there, oh man, I wish they wouldn't have left. I'm really sad. <laughs> They're not sad, but they don't miss me. Why would I miss them? So righteousness, yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now what's right, if you're righteousness, if you are righteousness, just say that to yourself. I am righteousness. I am, am. that's who I am, I'm righteousness. Because Jesus made me that way. God can't see my sin, it's gone. I don't care if you spent till eight o'clock in the morning looking at porn. If you got it right, if you've already confessed your sin, 1 John 1, 9, then you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. That's how it is. That's how it is. That's, that's, people can't accept that. That's why you can't accept being wealthy. You can't accept the goodness of God. That you are, you are his child. It's amazing that you will spoil your child but not receive God's riches. Good 
So what's, when you're dealing with righteousness and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then what's right in every scenario? What's right? That's righteousness. What's correct? What's correct when it comes to victory? How often are you supposed to win? Every time. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And you realize that's why you're not a good witness? Because of the second part of the verse that nobody ever quotes. Because it's not convenient. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. They smell us by our victory. Man, they smell good. They smell good. You talk, about, you talk to, to people who have gone to heaven and have come back. You're like, Tommy, you believe that stuff? Yes, depending on the testimony. Not wackadoo Susie who floats from church to church. <laughs> if you're having to float from church to church, you're not right with God. Amen. And say you're not, listen, I'm not saying you're going to hell. You're not right with God. It's not his design. It's not what he's telling you to do. He's supposed to be sitting under pastoral authority. I do. Then you should. I went to the men's conference. I'm driving home. I just left the property. I got to call Pastor Rodney. Hey, did you leave? You on the road? Yep, yeah, I'm on the road. If I don't show up, how come you're not here? And pastoral authority expects me to be there. Now, I'm going to hear about it if, if I'm not. I didn't, I, I've missed one conference in the last three and a half years at the river, and they have five a year. I don't know if one of them's the ladies or not, so I go to, I think, four a year or something like that. I can't remember. I go to four or five a year. If I don't, I got a, call, I got a text from, because uh, I consider the pastoral staff at the river my pastoral, that they're my pastors. So like Pastor Allen up there, who I'm close friends with, he sends me a text. Well, how come you're not here? I'm held accountable. Why aren't you? Who died and made you Jesus? He didn't die to make you Jesus. He died to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what's right about victory? Every time. Light and momentary afflictions. Not lifestyle afflictions. You're to win now. Well, I've been struggling with depression my whole life. That's not the will of God. Can you go to heaven that way? Yeah, you can go to heaven that way. It's stupid. We need to unleash the word stupid in society again. A lot of you ban that in your home. You shouldn't have banned it in your home. I understand banning shut up. But you shouldn't have banned stupid. It's when something's stupid, it's stupid. When it's ignorant, you don't know any better. That's like, that's the difference between doubt and unbelief. It's the same as ignorant and stupid. Doubt is when you don't know any better. Unbelief is when you know better and just defy the word of God. Just blow it off. That's unbelief. Which is the cardinal sin. That's why people go to hell is unbelief. They don't really go to hell for sin. They go to hell because of unbelief. They, did, they chose not to believe for the propitiation of their sin. Affliction, as I said earlier, light and momentary. That's righteous. If you're still in it, you should be squirming. I am. Because I have some affliction in my life. And by the way, they're almost always self-induced. You need to, when people have afflictions or when you're bothered by things, whatever it may be, Depression, anxiety, 
Whatever it is, some sicknesses, because a lot of sicknesses are brought about by stress. That's on you. I'm not saying every sickness is what somebody brought on themselves. But it could have always been prevented too, because whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loose. But do you live in ignorance and never bind the thing? Most afflictions are self-induced. But the ones that I have in my own life have been long-term. That, therefore, is everybody, see now, you can't feel bad when I'm throwing my own self under the bus tires. You can't be offended. The afflictions that I have in my life that have not been light and momentary, that's my fault. I'm out of the will of God. That's not righteousness. See how quiet it gets? Because people want to be, they want, they want to be oppressed. Because they may be for their own attention, or they believe it's a badge of honor. It's not a badge of honor, it's light and momentary. If, it's, if you're out of the realm of light and momentary, you're not being righteous in that situation. Get out! How should you feel about the world if you're righteous? I wrote a list. Let me see if I can find it. I love lists. How should you feel about the world? What does the word of God say about the world? What what does he mean by the world? Unsaved people? No, the world's system. How should you feel about the world's system? Comply with it? No. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? James 4.4. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. So I, I wrote my list here. So should you as a church partner with the world's vaccines, lockdowns, mass, social isolation, climate lockdowns, electric cars, 15-minute cities, CBDCs, social credit systems, acceptance of outright asinine idiocy, switching genders, no genders, non-binary, How many letters now? Here's from Canada, for those of you who are Canadians. We haven't added the two S you hear in America. In America, it's still LGBTQI plus. That's the asinine idiocy in America. Now, Canada has taken asinine idiocy to a galactic level by adding two S in front of it all, which means two-spirited. And a lot of the Christians that hate the LGBTQI stuff, and you should, not the people, but the ideology, hate all that, but then wear their masks, because it's all the same spirit. Electric cars are the same as gun grabbing. Climate change is the same as abortion. It's the same agenda. To leverage you into a one world commerce system with a singular access point controlled by tyrants. And eventually controlled by beast one, beast two, and the dragon. So you should hate the world. Hate the world system. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship of the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God and you put their mask on as a Christian? You put on their 2020, 2021, 2022, and now 2023 swastika mask. You put your church name on it and say, I'm no longer a slave of fear. (laughs) It was, it was pretty funny in 2020 and 2021. 
watching worship teams with slits cut in there so they could blow their trombones with the worship team up here with masks on, singing I'm no longer a slave to fear. So there's sin and righteousness we've covered. And we're supposed to preach those now. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So we've gone sin and righteousness so far, and we're gonna try, I'm gonna try to go around that track twice. Here's judgment. See, we should be preaching these things with conviction. A firm, firmly held belief or opinion. A formal declaration. You wonder why people don't get saved in your life? It's because you don't preach these things. I do. You're like, you wouldn't, folks, again, I'm not saying this. Please get me with this. As much as I don't need to pastor, I want to pastor. I don't need to. You ever notice how I don't hang around for acclamation? We never have a pastor appreciation day or any of those things. You know, because I don't need it. I don't desire those things. I don't desire the praises of people Everybody coming up and saying how great you are. I don't desire any of this. I appreciate the compliments. I do. I do. I, I appreciate those things. But that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm into this for. That's not, that's not my point with all of this. The reason why, though, people, uh, people will say, you preach these things. And again, I'm not saying this to brag. But look what's happened. I've always preached these things. Look what's happened to the ministry. And then people who never win a soul tell me it's that you're never gonna win anybody that way. Okay, you've won nobody. I've won, I don't know how many, I mean, thousands over the years. Thousands of people, how many people have been healed? So me preaching the things that you believe are the antithesis of Jesus that are actually Jesus have won thousands and healed thousands. But what have you done? Well, I'm nice. Okay, what did that do? And by the way, it's not nice to not preach the word. You're actually fake nice. You're not even real nice. You're fake nice. So here's judgment. And most of you, you've heard me use this verse four. I'm gonna go cover two ends of it. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. People should be preaching this. Why? Because it'll scare them into salvation? Look at me, look at me. Yep! You know what keeps me from sinning? Sometimes, you know, it should be love for God. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Especially when it comes to, like, violence. You're like, Tom, you shouldn't talk. Listen, you, you're, never, you're, never, you're never tempted to punch someone in the face? I'm glad that you don't give, I don't give into it either. I've never, I don't, I'm trying to think of, I've ever gotten, well, I've gotten in fights before. Well, early on in my Christianity, I got in some physical confrontations. I've never been one to not fight. I may lose. I've only got about 30 seconds in the gas tank, but it's a good 30 seconds. But a lot of times what keeps me from sinning is I don't want to burn in hell for all of eternity. If I let that in the door, who knows where it's going to take me. Can't remember the Andrew Walmack 
statement with sin will take you further than you want to go or whatever. I can't remember, but it's good. Go look it up when you get home. It's good. You're like, Dom, are these the preachers you listen to? Yeah, you want to know who I listen to? I listen to Rodney Howard Brown, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Andrew Womack, Jesse Duplantis, Charles Capps, Kenneth Hagin. That's who I listen to. Those are the most offensive preachers on the planet. Darn right. You know why they're offensive? They preach the word with conviction. They preach sin and righteousness and judgment. I'm probably leaving out a few maybe that I don't know who else I listen to, but not many more. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, this should be coming out of your mouth. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the, in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Tom, that's not very Christ-like. That is Christ. Jesus, John chapter 5, 22 and 23, is the judge. Understand the lanes of the Trinity. Jesus doesn't get grieved. The Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost convicts. Jesus judges. The Holy Ghost doesn't judge. Jesus does. And people don't think that's Christ-like to preach about that in your church? It's because the church isn't about Christ. It's about the Antichrist. You're afraid to preach this, then you are of the Antichrist. You only got two sides. You're one or the other. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. That's it. And for the Christians, Revelation 3, 5. Remember, well, first of all, remember Revelation 20, 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you know what's going to happen if you're not written in the Lamb's book of life? Be cast into the lake of fire. And there's got to be something deep. Now it's lake of fire. Well, you know, I don't believe in absolute destruction and hells forever. That's not the Bible. You're a convoluted doofus if you believe that. But because if hell isn't forever, then how are they dredging up everybody from hell in the lake of fire itself? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and hell's not forever? How dumb can you be and still breathe? Some Christians need to hear that. Does it offend them? Yeah, it offends them, but maybe it'll wake them up. Because love hasn't worked for the last 37 years of their life. Let me just do it. Let me just outreach to them. Let me just talk to them for a minute. Okay, that's been going on for four decades. Maybe they need the paddles. Thump! So whosoever was, Revelation 20, 2015, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now here's for the Christians, Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So in order for your name to be blotted out, it had to have been written in. Still Calvinist? Need to repent. It's not the Bible. I know it's more comforting to believe that God takes away all your will once you're saved. That you're just a twig on some sort of river of life. 
That everything good, bad, or indifferent that happens to you, that's just the will of God unfolding. No, no, it's the will of Satan unfolding and the will of your carnality unfolding. Because you're supposed to be binding and loosing. That's righteousness. You're supposed to be taking control of your life. No, God's in control. That's not a Bible verse. That's not a Bible verse. God is in control is not a Bible verse. Sovereignty does not mean in control of all. It means above all. He's relinquished the control of your life over to you with his power. You wield the power. You don't call FPL when you're going to turn the blender on. They've given you the power. You turn the switch on. That's your job in life. Switch turning. Most Christians never turn the switch. They, they, literally, it's like this. They're sitting at home going, I wonder why, all, symbolically, why, why is all my food rotten? Well, I mean, I, I, I bought this bullet blender for all my uh, uh, fruit smoothies, my fruit smoothies, <laughs> and nothing seems to be working. The food's rotting, everything. Um, turn the switch on. But they believe it's the will of God for everything to rot. It's how most Christians live. It's not. It's up to you. He has given you all the power. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but you have to turn the switch on. Are you saved if you never ask him to save you? Come on, answer. Don't be afraid. No, is everybody on earth saved? No, narrows the way if you find it. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, right? They didn't turn the switch on. And they believe the will of God's unfolding. You see all those people come up for their Academy Awards and their Emmys and their Grammys. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Living with his girlfriend. Going to die and go straight to hell. Going to one of these evangelical churches that doesn't preach anything but love that's actually Satan's love. Satan's love telling you, you know, it's all a process. I know you fornicated 487 times last year. I want you to try to get under 480 this year. Try to get it under 480. Okay, you can die and go to hell at 487. You can die and go to hell at 478. It's unpropitiated sin. Sorry, that's the Bible. Quiet in here. You think you, you probably, some of you probably think he's, looks, he's looking down on the center. I'm not looking down on the center. You ask anybody that comes to me for counsel about sin, I always confess my sin to them. Like, listen, I'm not, I'm not disgusted by your sin. I've had men confess pornography. I've looked at tons of pornography. I get it. I'm not looking down on it. I just know that if I wouldn't have stopped, I'm going to die and go straight to hell for it, so I stopped. It's quiet in here and you start talking about stuff. Maybe some people need to repent. I know you probably, maybe you've been told that God will accommodate your unrepentant sin. He will not. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 written to the church in Jerusalem. You think he's just gonna overlook your sin? Your unrepentant sin? He's not. He's not. And yes, did that just cost me 30 or 40 people in the room? Probably. Because they'll go to a church down the road. Oh, it's all a journey. <laughs> There's no sin that's too big that God can't overcome. Yeah, it's called unrepentant sin. It's too big for God to overcome. You're like, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. It's not true. God operates in covenants. He operates by his word. 
just quoting Jesse Duplantis again. He said that God once told him, I, I am God. I have the power to take your life, but I don't have the authority to do it. It's true because God is, uh, he is constrained by his word. People are like, why didn't God come through? He could have done it. No, he can't unless he's through faith. He's bound by his word. If he did it outside of faith, he'd have to cease being God. Because he'd be a liar then and a sinner himself. He can't. Like, I wish God would just take care of him. He can't until you dispel enough unbelief. And that's going to take more than a day. It's going to take more than a daily bread commitment to God. And I read, we got up every day and I read my daily bread. It takes me four minutes and 78 seconds of prayer and Bible study every day. That's exactly five minutes and 18 seconds for those of you who count. Let's go around the horn again. 11.55. Everybody still good? Never have to worry about time. We're not going to go forever and ever and ever. I'm always watching it. I will be eating before two o'clock. <laughs> the only time I'm not hungry on Sunday morning is when I'm preaching. Right afterwards, it starts to hit. <laughs> Shall convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Here's sin again, Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, there's lists everywhere, folks. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Revelation 21.8. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, all written to churches. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral. Doesn't matter whether you're, it doesn't matter whether it's homosexual sex or heterosexual sex, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. And now you always pay attention. I've preached this many times, but I'm gonna preach it again. Always notice when God puts the word all in front of things. Did you notice that he didn't put the word all in front of cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, or idolaters? He puts that, he goes, so how it reads is, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. You know why that is? Because people lie to themselves. Endlessly. That is one of the weirdest things that I run into in my life are people who live in self-deception. Because I live in open transparency. I told you, I'm a horrible friend, but I'm transparent. <laughs> Terrible. I'm not, listen, you, you, you want a, a friend that's gonna call you on the phone, hey, just checking in on you. It's not me, never gonna happen, don't bother. I'm not going to mentor anybody. I don't do any of those things. Nobody mentored me. Get it done. Read the Bible. Do what it says. There's your mentor right there. <laughs> done. You don't need it. Do what it says. You want to, listen, you want to prosper in ministry? Get under a good pastor. You want to prosper in business? Tithe. Watch what happens. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Sin should always be on the cut. Well, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a grace conscious church, not a sin conscious church. Show me that Bible verse, please. When the, if the Holy Spirit preaches sin, righteousness, and judgment, why are you not preaching what the Holy Spirit preaches with conviction? 
That's why the church was totally unprepared for a demonic attack. And they all put on the devil masks. They all took the devil vax. They all, took, they all sat six feet apart. Should, be, should have been six, six, six feet apart. They have no idea. Look how compassionate and loving we are. Just out of, just out of 1 Corinthians 5, 13. Expel the wicked man from among you. Because that church was so delusional that they thought it was hype, they thought it was just so graceful and so compassionate to have a man sleeping with his father's wife in the church and they accommodated it. And Paul had to correct them and tell them, expel that wicked man from among you. Things that has happened here at this church. You act like a goober around here, you're expelled. You don't even have to be evil. You act like a silly fool, you're out. Bye-bye. You badmouth this church in public, bye-bye. Have a good life, bye-bye. Not gonna happen. You're like, Tom, you lose church, I don't, okay. I know that if I preach the word, God will send people. I listen, I love when, I love when the church is full. I love when it's full, I do. But I don't try to keep it full ever. Have you noticed that? I don't try to keep it full. There's a lot of new people in here today. If you're new, if you're new, wave at me. If you're new. There you go. Look at all the new people. Love you guys. Love you guys. All you new people, hang in there now. It, it literally, it's like you got to grab a hold. Like when, when you get on that roller coaster, put that thing on. Just click, 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 put that thing on. And just hang on for about two, three months. You'll never go back. You'll never go back. You want everything else, everything else be like lukewarm water in the mouth of God to you. Blah, gross. You'll learn to love being corrected, challenged, stepped on a little bit. You have your, you have your toes stepped on. You're like, Tom, it's easy for you. You're the one who does all the yelling and screaming. No, I have pastors in my life. Those of you who don't think that I, am, that I get sternly corrected don't know Rodney Howard Brown personally. There's, he doesn't say, oh, wow, Tom Lightley, yeah, he's something. He doesn't give, he doesn't care. He doesn't think of himself that way. Therefore, he doesn't think of me that way. And whatever he thinks I need to hear, he tells me. That's right. I get faster too. I'm fine with it. I like being challenged. I love, I love listening to messages by Charles Capps. And I mean, it just is a kick in my guts. Like, oh man, have I ever fallen short in that area? I love it. I love it. I don't listen to anything. I don't like listening to some flowery, testicleless <laughs> coward. Ooh, oh, everything's good. I listened to this. I made the mistake of saying I was. I say testicle list in church too. For those of you who knew people, you're like, how do you how do you correlate that with the Bible? Because Paul said it. Paul said if you're going to circumcise yourselves, you might as well just go ahead and cut, cut your testicles off. That's what he said, emasculate. That's what it means, cut your testicles off. Well, Tom, you used the word emasculate. No, nobody knows what emasculate means, but they know what cutting your testicles off means. 
But I made the mistake. I was flipping, flipping through YouTube. And I was trying to find something to watch while I was on the elliptical. <laughs> 30 minutes on the elliptical. So I'm looking for something to watch. As my wife tells me, you need to be watching preaching. Stop watching this. Stop watching that. I'm like, okay, you're right. I consecrate all of my exercise time to the word in prayer. I do now. You're like, you don't listen. You listen to your wife. I listen to my wife. But my wife's not my Lord, and I'm not afraid of my wife. If you're afraid of your wife, you're out of the will of God. And you women who want your husbands to be afraid of you are out of the will of God. Stop trying to make your marriage a lesbian relationship. He's a man. Let him be a man. Well, I want more time together. Do what he does. I love my wife does stuff with me. She just does what I do. I used to go to hockey games, I'd bring hope. Who cares? Go with him. All he does is hunt and fish. Well, learn to hunt and fish. Go with the guy. You want to spend time with him? Go, go, go with him. Now, so hope comes with me. Now, she, she likes to play jokes with me because like, we, go, we go walking. I'm walking. I'm, I'm, I'm business when I'm walking. I'm there trying to burn all the M&Ms off. So it's business. <laughs> It's business. And she'll occasionally try to intertwine her fingers with mine, you know, hold my hand, I'm like, and I just, I, a fool shows his annoyance at once. She, you know, she just, she's just messing around with me because she knows I hate it. I hate it. But, but when we're walking into church together, we hold hands. You know, I mean, you have to, you have to, you, you, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Holy Spirit will lead you on how not to be stupid. I've done lots of stupid things in my life. He'll lead you how not to be stupid, how not to say stupid things, and how not to do stupid things. He will, he will lead you that way. But I was, I made a mistake. I was flipping through YouTube, and I'm like, let me try, let's watch this guy, see what he's all about. And he started to tell a story about when he was, first got married, and this guy sits under a very a pastor that I deeply respect, but I'm not going to tell you who. Not, not Pastor Rodney. Don't worry. Pastor Rodney would never allow this. But anyway, this pastor started telling a story. And he needs, this pastor needs to go to the bathroom and see if his stuff's still there. He does. Somebody may have signed him up for an appointment. And he didn't know it. So he started telling the story when he first got married that he and his wife, he, they were both like late teens, you know, like 19 and 18. And he said, he went in there and his wife ran a big fight. They were like three weeks married. And he said, uh, he came in and said, you know, just so you know, what I say goes in this house and that's it. Boom. All right. And he turned and walked away and his wife, and this was way back like in the 70s and back in those days, remember, when you remember how you used to buy orange juice? You didn't buy it in a container. You bought it in those like cylinders that were all steel. Remember that? And you had to get the can opener and then pop it out and do all that stuff. Well, she just took one of those metal cylinders and threw it at his head. <laughs> and he turned, and everybody's clapping. Hey! Because he turns around and goes, yes, ma'am. Like you just destroyed your marriage. You destroyed it. Now listen, they've been married for 50 years or whatever. That's fine. But you, you've waltzed out of the will of God in your life. I'm not, listen, you are to love your wife like Christ loved the church. It means to lay your life down for her 
And again, that doesn't mean you're hoping for that one day that you happen to be near a train track and here comes a train and your wife is stuck on the tracks and you finally throw her off and let the train run over you. That means lay your life down every day. When she, look at me, man. If she wants to talk, shut the freaking device off and talk to her. Talk to her. Look her in the eye and talk to her. Not just, okay, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Is that how you treated her when you were trying to win her? No, you did anything there. There was no devices. There was no burping or anything else in front of her. You had a six-pack, not a double keg now. You were trying to win her then. You're to love her like Christ loved the church. Jesus doesn't wait for the train tracks. He's there every day in the form of the Holy Ghost. Every day ministering to you, talking to you, guiding you. That's how you love your wife. And wives, you are to submit to your husband's ass to the Lord. That means whenever there is a division, you cannot come up with an answer. Then you go with what the husband says. And with the exception of defying the will of God. If the husband is saying, well, you know what? Foundation church isn't for me. And you know that's where God's called. You go alone. It usually is the other way, by the way. Women keep coming. But so funny oftentimes when a woman leaves, it's the guy who goes with her. So I'm like, man, you are such a pansy. You're, you, are, you are orange juice boy. Tom said, wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Yeah, that's just the Bible. Never let the Bible get in the way of your theology. Ephesians chapter five, verse 22. And so the wife storms out. And here comes neutered boy right after. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Don't hit me again with the orange juice thing, okay? Shoot, when Hope and I were dating, she used to like to punch me. Just like playing around. Nothing, nothing abusive. She was, she's a, Hope is a scrapper. Let me talk about somebody who does her. Seriously, she doesn't run from fights. And back in her unsaved days, liked to fight physically. Seriously, not joking. That wasn't somebody who... who just found herself in fights, sought out physical confrontation. So when we were dating, you know, back in the 90s, we met in 1994, she would just, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what her motives were, but she would just occasionally, like, you know, just punch me. And I would tell her, I'd warn her. Now, there's certain warnings that hope is never going to heed, that I've learned that that's never going to happen. I've told her now we've been married for 27 years, known each other for 30. And I keep telling her, please stop walking into rooms talking to me. Like what she, she I don't know, I'm in, my, I'm in my study, alone with the message. And she will walk in, hey, I just wanted to tell you. And I just, like a cat, leap to the roof and with my claws, I'm like... I've told you now, but I just, it's over. There's nothing I can do. I've corrected, I've done what I can do. It's, it's not gonna change. It's over. 
It's over. So she would like, she would punch me when we were dating. She'd bam. I mean, it's got little, little sharp little fists. So finally, I had it in my mind. I'm like, she punches me again. I'm going to punch her. <laughs> Statue of limitations is over. You go, good luck. You can report me. You can hate me all you want. There's cops in the room. I have friends in the statute of limitations is over. I'm looking at my cop friends. They're right in the back right-hand corner. <laughs> sure, by the way, the people, that I, the people that I respect the most, not because they're cops, the people that I respect the most that attend this church are the people who knew me before I pastored this church. <laughs> like Pete. My cop friends that are here, because they're like, you know what? I'm going to let that guy who I know is far from perfect pastor me. Most respect to you guys. Love you. So I waited like, you know, like a cat. And I waited and she punched me. So I just, I didn't, I mean, I just turned around like this and went. <laughs> the car like right here. And she goes flailing into the wall. <laughs> I'm not bragging or anything like that, but I hit hard. And I was just, I was just straightening my hand out, just straightening it out. Just like that. That's it. That was the last time she ever hit me, right there. I said, I told you, don't, don't stop punching me. I've told you that 50 times. Stop punching me. <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> you have to understand the people in my house, there's two of them. There's Norma and I are more similar. But Tommy and Hope will never give up. <laughs> Ever. I used to pin Tommy down and torture him. I'm saying, you call me master. <laughs> I can't do that anymore, obviously. But... He wouldn't, didn't matter how much pain I inflicted and how much I tickled him, nothing. One time I pinned him down, and this is, I really feel bad about this one. As I had a rubber band and I pulled it back, flicking his arm. And he was like, ah! And I'm like, how, how bad could it hurt? But he still would not, I mean, no matter what I did, and he would never give in, ever. I could have broke his arm, he would never stop. Nothing. He never would, never. And uh, I said, well, how bad could that hurt? And I looked, there's giant welts. I'm like, oh, man, I'm fired. <laughs> not bad could hurt, so I did it to myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. <laughs> that hurts really bad. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Some side notes this morning. That has nothing to do with the message, but hey. So I'll finish right here. The last righteousness we'll look at here. I don't know how many of these I'll get through. I'm going to try to stop here in the next couple of minutes. This is my second to last closing. <laughs> Righteousness. So what is right? Let's look at a, how many things do I have here? Two or three things. Let's look at power. To convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We've covered judgment. We've covered sin. We covered one part of righteousness. So what is right when it comes to power? Because the Holy Spirit is a firmly held belief about power, and he's gonna convict you of it. He's gonna give you a formal declaration of what he believes. In order for you to be righteous, you're not to be, you're supposed to have humility, but you're not supposed to shrink away from opposition. 
You're supposed to approach opposition with power. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, my message and my preaching are not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I'll finish with these two verses. This is how you're supposed to operate. Worship team, you guys can make your way. Luke 10, 19 and Luke 9, 1 and 2, three of my favorite verses in the Bible. Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Listen, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And you're supposed to live in affliction? No, 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 no. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing, nothing. That's how you're supposed to operate. Well, things are hurting me right now, then get out of it. Start taking the thoughts captive. Start declaring healing. That's another part that I have here, healing. He took up your infirmities and carried your, your diseases. That's righteousness that he's convicting you of, that he's giving you a formal declaration about, a firmly held belief. A firmly held belief by the Holy Ghost is reality. So you're supposed to be healed. That is reality. Luke 9, 1 and 2, and close it right here. Then he called his 12 disciples together. He gave them power, power. Why are you a victim? That's not righteousness. He's convicting you to be righteous, not to be a victim. Well, I was victimized as a child. Not anymore. As far as east is from the west, so far as he removed our sin from us, not that you were sinned by being a victim. But you're also a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So if you were a victim when you were four, you're no longer a victim at 44. Stop acting like one. Leave it behind, brethren. I told you, pay very close attention when God puts the word all in front of things. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Pay attention when he says, this one thing I do. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Why do you even consider? Even if you sin this morning, if you've put it under the blood, no more thought. I have lots of faults and failings. Forgiving myself is not one. Because it's antithetical to the word. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. How am I going to love my neighbor when I haven't forgiven myself? How am I going to love them through unforgiveness? He called his 12 disciples together. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. There you go. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I have to admit this. Every, every week, I'm a little sad church is over. What is today? The third, Aaron? September 3rd? Is that right? September 3rd? We'll never have another September 3rd, 2023 again. It's a unique opportunity. I'm a little sad when it's over. I really am. I love you guys. I really do. I love you guys. I love this church. I love you. As in, I don't know everybody individually, but I have a lot of respect for people who are willing to come and sit in this church. Some of you have been coming for years. This is what church was 50 years ago. Love you guys. This is what church was 50 years ago. Why has it changed? Because it's part of the beginnings of sorrows, which is the end times falling away. But we're not going to be part of that. I'm not participating. 
I don't, I don't participate in recessions, depressions, or falling away, nothing. If you're new, listen, come back next week. Just, just sit for a while, I'm telling you. Take the syrup of Ipecac, I'm telling you. you. You will be challenged in this church like you've never been challenged, but you'll be loved more in this church than you've ever been loved. Watch yourself be served in this church. You got the, the loud, bombastic preacher, but you watch the people who love you at this church. And sometimes the most loving thing in the world is to tell you that you're off course, if you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time. Understand that the man that's saying things to you right now, that's preaching to you right now, that's presenting this opportunity to you right now, has been chief among sinners. A lot of people say you should no longer call yourself that. I said, has been, has been chief among sinners. I've left that behind. If you need to get your life right with God this morning, I'm talking about two realms of people. If you're a Christian and you've fallen into a lifestyle of sin, concession to sin. You've just said, you know what? She's just too hot. I'm moving in with her. It's hellbound. It's a hellbound decision. Deliberately continuing to sin will bring you under the right, will bring you under the judgment of God. It's okay, Paul. Don't worry about it. We're good. So if you're a backslidden Christian, this is for you. It's a hellbound state to be in. Understand that. So it's called lukewarm. Got to get out. Got to get out. I've been there. You've got to get out. Or those that have never been saved, or people that are pretending to be saved. Might be younger people in this room. It could be older people in this room. It doesn't matter. It's time to stop pretending. It's time to get your life right with God. What does it mean to be saved? It just simply means putting all of your sin. Think about how easy this is and how hard it was on Jesus to take all of your sins and lump it on the spotless lamb's shoulders who never sinned so that he could pay the price on the cross, pay the price with whippings and beatings for your healings, go to hell for you so you never have to step foot there. He did everything. All you have to do is believe. That's all you have to do. Part of believing is turning from your sin. It's right out of Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to get your life right with God this morning, nobody's looking around but me. I'm looking around this whole, whole room. Everybody's cooperating. Nobody's looking. It's between me, you, and God. Well, Tom will know that I'm a sinner, that I'm struggling in my walk with God. Tom has struggled in his walk with God, and Tom is a reformed sinner, so you don't have to worry about what I think. I don't look down on sin. I'm not disgusted by any sin. So if that's you, you need to get your life right. I'm not going to do anything to you this morning. I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm not going to take you to a back room. Nothing. You're going to stay right where you are the entire time. If you need to get right with God, right where you're at, boldly stretch your hand into the air, right where you're at. Stretch it out. Come on, get it up there. Right there. I got you. Room of hands going up everywhere. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Got you, got you, got you. God bless you, got you. Really, really impressive. You can put them down. Awesome, awesome. That's how I operate. I put that hand boldly in the air. Very proud of all of you. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is pray a prayer out loud. The entire church can be praying it out loud with you. So nobody, you're gonna be anonymous. Nobody will know except for God. When you pray this prayer, pray it directly to God. It's a prayer of salvation. People call it the sinner's prayer. 
getting right with God. It's the born again prayer. It's the salvation prayer. And when you pray this prayer to God and you mean it, your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are called saved. You are called born again. You are called a child of the living God. Everybody pray this prayer out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name, amen. Lots of people, lots of people. Praise you, Lord.